and welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all of the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I'm DM Mitch. And today, we are going to be talking to a wonderful human named Kurt Bolin, yes. who is the Dungeon Master for... Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters. You have to say it that way or it doesn't Yes, count. that was perfect, Neil. You could you could probably replace one of Kurt's daughters and he wouldn't even notice. Yes. The beard may give it away, <laughs> but I am dead set that any either of them would happily wear a fake beard. And today we are going to be talking all about intelligent items. And we have a great conversation about that. This, that, and the other. Smart, kind of smart, who knows? But it's a great conversation with Kurt. And speaking of intelligent items, if you are a gold Patreon dragon or up, you can head over to our Patreon page and download some homebrew intelligent magical items that I've created for you to use in your homebrew worlds. And speaking of Patreon, if you are a silver Patreon dragon or up, we are starting a whole new story time series. And this week, with the release of this episode, you're not just getting one episode, but you're getting two story time episodes as a bonus for how awesome you Patreon Dragons are. Yeah, yeah. But before we move on, as always, we have some iTunes reviews. And the first one is from Mystic Womble, which I have more questions that I want to know about that. And they <laughs> what entitled, is a womble? Yeah, what's a womble? What's Make a, womble? a homebrew womble creature. Done. And they entitled it A DM's Happy Place. Five stars. Getting back into D&D and DMing in particular after 30 years out of the game, absolutely loving this podcast. Chock full of dungeon mastery goodness. That's that's a, that's a serial commercial yeah, I don't right know. there. I don't know why we don't have taglines we might need to make a t-shirt now with stomp having a bowl maybe it's like oh it's like a bowl of like cereal dice and yeah. just this chock full of dungeon mastery goodness uh mystic womble if you're okay with us making this shirt you let us know yeah stomp stompos chock full of dungeon Ooh, mastery goodness i love it kid tested mother approved <laughs> With fun well, tips anyway, keep and going, tricks. Yeah, what did, what with, was the other things that he said? With fun tips and tricks at every turn, if I could give six stars, I would. Well, thank you, <laughs> Mystic Womble, for getting back into the game and leaving that awesome review. And giving us that t-shirt idea. Yep. Our next one comes from Pardon Me, I'm Flammable, and it's entitled Boredom Be Gone, five stars. I love this podcast. I was trying to find something D&D related to listen to while at work, and I came across this podcast. Because of this, I am now working on creating my own homebrew world to DM over. Thank you so much for the wonderful advice and the brilliant ideas. DM Hopeful. So thank you so much, DM Hopeful. These two reviews were fantastic. Yeah. I really, I love you guys. I love the listeners. I know Neil does too. So thank you guys for writing in. If there's anything that we want to do, it is expand the proverbial multiverse that is D&D by helping motivate yes. people to create their own worlds. But Mitch, what time is it? It is time now for the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. For the meat today, we have a returning guest. I'm always excited to say this. A partner with us with the Block Party Podcast Network. We have 
Kurt Bolin, DM and creator of Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, here with us again to talk about something different, to talk about something new. But first of all, Kurt, how have you been? How have you how have you been? How have your kids been? How's it been in Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters Land? It's been I'm I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> it's been busy. It's we're yeah. wrapping up summer. We've been we haven't been doing much because we've been doing family vacations. Yeah. We've been on the road and we've been traveling and work stuff and other life things get in the way. And <laughs> my girls are in so many different extracurricular activities as it is right now. It's it's hard to keep it keep it all straight. So it's difficult sometimes to uh, cut out or to make time f- to sit down and play Dungeons and Dragons together. Um, but we do, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more episodes coming out soon but it does feel like that we took the summer off yeah (laughs) well i remember in the first episode you came on with us and talking about the podcast like you made it very clear that it's family and the girls definitely way before the podcast and it's like hey if they end up like being like no this we're not having fun anymore then you're like well we'll we'll move on and right now you're focusing on family during the summer and you're enjoying yourselves and yeah, you don't want it to become a job for them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that accomplishes two things. Yeah, for, first of all, yeah, I don't want it to become a job. I don't want it to get yeah. to the point where it where Dungeons and Dragons feels like work to my kids. <laughs> uh, for, for they show the up at, at the podcast recording table in suits. Right, right. <laughs> they've they've gotten together. They unionized. Yeah, they've got they've child got labor laws card. leveraged. <laughs> right, and I'm also thinking about the the the, the long game. So the yeah. So the second thing there too is. I don't know if we're going to be doing the podcast forever, but I would like my girls to play Dungeons and Dragons for as long yeah. as they can into yep. adulthood, like like I have. So that's definitely something I just don't want to sour them on the on the game in yeah. general as well by making it work. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to take the magic away mm-hmm. from that. You want them to to love it, and you want the podcast to help them to love it, not right. to yeah, not to dampen that. So awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you back with us again today. I think. Neil has the one question. What kind of question is it, Neil? It is a surprise question. Yes. And it is tailored to you. Not that the person intended it, but Mindweave RPG on our Patreon gave us this question that you are perfect for. You, sir, are a retired adventurer with children. Your eldest wants to take up the life. Do you discourage or encourage them? You absolutely encourage them. <laughs> if you have more than one child. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Perfect. You need you need you need a plan B in the cuz adventuring life is very dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Done. Well, thank you Mindweave RPG and as always, have more than one kid in case <laughs> something happens. Oh gosh. Fantastic. Well, let's transition today into the meat. I'm excited. I know Neil's excited. Yes. We're excited when you chose this topic, Kurt. Uh, we're talking about intelligent magic items today. And so to begin, I think we need to recognize that with with the transition into 5th edition, if you go back to like older editions of Dungeons and Dragons, with certain things like magic items and, and other parts of the game, they would have crazy amounts of crunchy rules on how do you do this, how do you do that. When we transition into 5th edition, definitely with great purpose behind it, uh, the creators of Dungeons and Dragons left a lot of things for the dungeon masters themselves to kind of 
come up with the lore or the mechanics, uh, the ways. And some things I think they just said, you know what, it, it's not that important how this is actually done. Magic items, the creation of them. It's not spelled out on the Dungeon Master's Guide. They kind of leave it ambiguous, giving a couple ideas. So I wanted to have this conversation start about how are intelligent magic items created? How are they forged? How are they magically imbued with their power? Uh, what are some ways that from uh, just imagination and from uh, things that we've looked up that ways that these items can come literally to life. So I think the idea of a magic item, especially an intelligent one, kind of falls on a spectrum, if you will, of purposeful or pure accident. Hmm. And I don't feel like it falls in the middle of that. There's not just someone cranking out intelligent yeah. swords. It's either someone has created them with the intense purpose of having that intelligent magic item or pure happenstance like i fell into this pit and now my cloak talks to me like like i don't feel like there's a, there's much middle ground um yeah so that's my thought so neil one middle ground that i can think of that would come in between those is the idea of what if these intelligent items are actually a a race oh, or nice. what if they they actually came from a place where all the mundane items in the world were intelligent mm. items. So they, I guess, were created, but not purposefully, because that's just the way that they are. And they somehow started coming into the world like like any other race. It's like at first you have some that start going out in the world, doing some adventuring and exploring. And then over time and over years, they just end up getting into more and more hands. And after so much time, then people just they, they like any other magical item that's been out in the world for a while is like they lose track of where it originally had come from this is amazing and i will say up front whoever is is in charge of this the patreon content is definitely a race <laughs> of magical items let's just All right. we'll say that now i have to say that i had to hold like suppress so much laughter while you were saying that because i love that idea uh i mean the multiverse being in a in a fantasy setting like and thinking about like the endless possibilities that are out there but i just had this like brief if either of you watch the show and the listeners who do i just had that moment of when rick in rick and morty where they're going to different multiverses and they yes. come upon a place where the couches are the living things yes. and i believe they're sitting on humans yes they are yeah <laughs> i was like yes that's it that's perfect <laughs> to think of a whole entire plane of existence where that's that's how it is that's how the the uh, magic sentient items are are running the show right right so, but yeah, but I mean, you know, so as far as like being accidentally made or being intentionally made, um, you know, the, the, the accidentally made is, well, I think the, for me, the intentionally made is a little more interesting because why, why would, why would a wizard or a dragon or some other powerful entity feel the need to in, in by the, or, or imbue intelligence into a mundane item it's like what for for what purpose are they did they do it because they were lonely because they wanted no. a companion or i mean if it's a weapon that's pretty straightforward on what the intent of that thing was for but if it was a crown or a necklace or a piece of jewelry that they wanted to put this intelligence into it's it's, it's i i it's like I, my brain just starts running it's like why would someone do this does it just simply come down to because they could 
And I imagine that there's lots of wizards and lots of games that is the only reason why they do a lot of things is because they have the power to do this sort of thing. Yeah, on the accident side, I imagine you are trying to create an item that there it could have some property to it that has some sort of communication. Like I, I imagine like maybe a, a crown that gives you the ability to speak all languages. And during the creation of that, we know that magic is chaotic and things can go, I don't want to say wrong, because uh, yes, they can go wrong, but sometimes they can go right and sometimes they can just go weird in different directions than you're expecting. And if you were to create a helmet or a crown that is able to grant that ability, but all of a sudden, like you put that on and rather than it being just, oh, you're able to speak now all different languages, having like this translator in your head telling you, oh, they said this, uh, you should probably say this back to them uh, telepathically, like talking you through it, which would be which would be actually a great role playing device because you could mm -hmm. um, you could t have this telepathic crown say to your player oh here's here's the way that you want to you want to say this phrase back to them and having your player have to like say back the gobbledygook phrase and be like mm, you didn't pronounce that quite right they're not going to exactly understand what you're saying there it turns into a game of telephone at that yeah point. exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome or i mean or the like c3po aspect or whatever persona mm -hmm. you want to put to it i mean which is a whole other can of worms to open up with the idea of intelligent items is what kind of you know personality goes into that how little how much um and the same with the idea of just intelligence in general how intelligent did you make the magic item yeah and where does that intelligence come from does it just simply spring into being does it get uh, taken from somewhere else? Does Do you have to trap an intelligence into an item for it to become an intelligent item? And if it just springs into being, what is the maturity level of that intelligence at the time? Is it is it like is it like a baby, it a baby? when yeah. it first gets created? So the only thing it can do is like emotions and scream at you <laughs> until it learns how to communicate and, and starts getting things under control. Yeah, and how do you do you have to cradle this this sword or this intelligence spell book to sleep at night? Like or or it calls down the monsters upon your camp because it's crying and it needs to be rocked to sleep? Like that's a that's an amazing thing to do. Okay, I whatever it is an example. <laughs> I I don't know how to preface any more than that, but it, may, it reminds me of a Cheez Its commercial where they're talking about aged cheddar, and the guy walks in and starts talking to it, and it is just like super immature, making fun of him the whole time, and he's like not aged enough, and walks back out. <laughs> So I can see dealing with that same process. Neil, you could have saved that for the homework section. Just <laughs> saying, <laughs> an intelligent cheese. It here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so then, if yeah, then if you if if you have a, a character that's responsible for for raising this intelligent item, they I mean they they're shaping the the quote unquote person that they become when when they get older, right? So could you inadvertently be turning them into a evil item? And then moving yeah. forward, that that is now an evil magic item. Raising That's, the item, right? Yeah. Right. That ha having to sit down, having moral qu quandaries, yeah. you know, and discussions with them. Of especially if it's a weapon, I I see that being some very difficult discussions about. It's like, no, there's some people we can stab, and there's some people that we shouldn't stab. 
but I'm literally created to stab. Right. <laughs> yeah, like this is my my purpose in I life. have one job. <laughs> and and if a and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the next section, but like but what if a sword goes the other way and goes I don't want to stab anymore <laughs> like and that we'll talk a little bit more about that. The the flip side of what you're what you're bringing up that I think is interesting too is you're talking about like how how old is the mindset of this intelligent item like and if they it just came into being are they are they an infant uh in that mentality but then also it's an item it's not a sentient being with a mortal body so then you start to go all right this the sentient lantern has been around for 3000 years I imagine it honestly it it would be a little difficult to communicate with because after 3000 years I think of like the interactions you can have with like between a human and an elf who's lived for so long and just that age difference they've the elves have seen other mortals like die off like that so death is not going to be that big of a deal to it they've a year to them is like whatever it's not even a season so to like an item that's lived for thousands of years if you come in contact with it and it's able to communicate to you it's going to be in some interesting conversation yeah the the, the intelligence of a, of a creature like that that could live for mm-hmm. so long could end up being so totally and completely alien mm-hmm. so just so not even communicating with that type of creature but just like understanding what its motivations are or why it does anything or feels about something a certain way it's like we may not be able to fathom it yeah especially you know with the longevity it's like I, I kind of think about it, and this is a little callous, but I, I almost look at it as like, could they be looking at, uh, at at humans as like dogs? It's like, you know, what? it's like I'm gonna have you know six different dogs during my lifetime. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like so, I can't get too attached to them because you know, and or you know, you're a cute pet, but I mean, <laughs> you will die someday, and I will go on. Right, but you know, but my previous one was a lot better than you. Yeah, no, but yeah, you know, once you're gone, I'll get another one. We'll try it again. You don't obey as well as the other one did. <laughs> That's awesome. I also wonder, like, with this this like super old magical item thing, the sentient item. What if, like, like let's just keep going with that three thousand year old lantern. Let's say, what if that lantern was is three thousand years old, but two thousand five hundred years of its quote unquote life, it was just buried in a treasure chest in a dungeon. Yeah, is it insane now? Like after being isolated yeah. and alone for yeah. twenty five hundred years, is it crazy now? Yeah. Because it hasn't is it had just screaming? Is it just <laughs> murmuring? Does it need two hundred years of therapy to get it back to like a yeah. way that it can talk to you? <laughs> just now, I'm thinking of a, a a lantern sitting on a couch. <laughs> All right, Doc. Let me tell you. <laughs> but I I mean, I like the idea of then that being, because you know, another thing we've talked about or written down at least to talk about is the idea of what kind of quests, if you will, or mm-hmm. missions that would stem from this intelligent item. One of it could be some level of restoration, literal, physical, but you know, in the yeah. idea that the the mind of this this item is broken because it has just sat there for 2,500 years. I just can't even fathom that. But <laughs> like maybe it's just a spell. Maybe it's a certain XYZ step that you need to take. And then when you do repair it, what is what does it then have to say of like, I've been here. I, we have something important to do. 
I've been sitting here for 2,500 years. We need to fix it immediately. And you know, and the idea of any any myriad of things it could bring up that needs to be done right now. Yeah, well, what if like what if before it was locked in a chest for that many years ago, it witnessed something that the party needs to find out the truth about? Like what happened those thousands of years ago? Nobody that was around was still alive. But then you uncover, oh, but the the adventurer who was there had a sword that was intelligent. And there are legends that the sword is in his tomb somewhere. And you can f- get to the bottom of the truth behind a situation that nobody was alive for because this intelligent item was there. But then, yeah, does this thing need therapy? Does this thing need some sort of restoration? Because it's been just seeing darkness for the past 2,000 years. Right. Or, I mean, or if if it was conscious the entire time, then yeah, is it is it now crazy? It needs therapy, or is it? Uh, could they go to sleep? Like, it could it just wake up one day and like, oh hey, I've I'm out of that dungeon now and has no idea how much time has gone by. Um, maybe there's some sort of a trigger that that happens to to wake it up. Maybe someone's carrying around this lantern, uh, for decades and never even knowing that it's an intelligent item because it just for whatever reason hasn't woken up or just chose not to reveal itself. We've gone. We've gone some interesting places. That's for sure. <laughs> one uh, one example I can think of this is uh, during a, a one shot game that I was on. But we were talking about some of our other characters, and one of the players at the table had talked about that their their favorite character that they had ever played was an intelligent sword that got turned into a human. And so then they had to deal with having a body and arms and legs and being able to move around. And they hated it so much that their 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 active quest was to figure out how to get yeah. changed back into mm. a sword because they mm. couldn't stand being this this flesh bag anymore. Yeah. I, well, even on the flip side of that, like there are intelligent mag- magical items that are people that have put their own sentience into an item. And like realizing that these are items that have intelligence that are sentient and like to think of quests that you can go on with your with your PCs, your your party. Imagine a item that has the intelligence of a person that maybe has more intelligence because it is is far older. uh, And so it's gained so much wisdom and it's seen so much. But but imagine being an item that you, you can't just get up and walk around and, and do your own things like you 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 were never turned into a a person to be able to have that sort of freedom so literally everything you do is done by the person that's wielding you and if you are like you like we've said like a sword or whatever it is like they're like cool this is a, an adventure is going to be like cool this is a magical sword this is great this is a helm that gives me the uh, ability to translate anything this is awesome uh, but you're just going wherever the heck they want you to go, doing whatever the heck they want you to do. And these swords, these items, these helms, they have personalities. So what if they just decide, you know what, I, I don't like this. I don't want to keep on doing exactly what you want me to do all the time. So I'm going to stop making this magic that I control happen until you need to give me some sort of release. Like, you don't understand it, but I used to be... I used to actually be a really powerful wizard, and I want to see my homeland again. If you bring me home <laughs> that I can see the tower that I worked in or the city that I grew up in, 
then I will allow you to access the magic that I hold once again. There's a whole quest right there to bring this this item back to the land that it was created. And if it is a, a, a person's soul in it, like that's going to open up more dialogue, more conversation, more role-playing, and getting your PCs to recognize this as more than an item, but this is an NPC now. I think it's a great way to, I mean, a great idea for any table is the, you need to give everyone there a level of agency to be able to tell their own story. And the idea of a magic item, especially when we're talking about an intelligent, a sapient, a sentient magic item, like they also need some level of agency. They are not just a computer program. And now that said, that could also be a way that you approach a magic item or intelligent magic item is that they are basically a computer program. I put in X and Y and you pump out Z every time and that's fine. But like if you want a deep, deep story to revolve around it, you have to give it that level of agency. Because the other thing I was thinking was going back to what you had said, Kurt, was the idea that it was so purposeful of what if someone going in, going back to the idea of an elf versus human, what if someone that I did attach myself to is going to pass away because they don't live very long, but I have figured out how to take them, their essence, their, who they are and put them in this magical item that I can then carry with me. And now you have a much richer story. And I feel like that that's towing the line of lichdom a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like taking yeah. the soul out of someone's body and putting it into into an item. Um, and and that's what triggered for for me when you said that because it's it's essentially extending someone's life. Hmm. So it's it 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 could be a way. So yeah, so maybe someone intentionally does this because it's the they're so fearful of of death. It's the only thing that they could do to. to extend their life or find some sort of form of mortal or immortality yeah the the idea of becoming a lich is for for many good reasons awfully seen as a terrible thing and only the evil wizards will do it because of once again something that fifth edition doesn't really spell out here's how you do it but what we do know is you need to do some pretty dang awful things for it to come about Putting your soul into a magic item could very well be the good wizard's like way of living immortally. Um, mm-hmm. Rather than going and doing all these terrible things, I would imagine it's still gonna create. It's still gonna need a whole lot of magical prowess and power, but maybe not these terrible deeds behind it to accomplish it. Right. And and I think that's that's where you would get into a sword definitely needing therapy cuz like how yeah. how would you how would a person deal with that that they were the living breathing person walking around and then all of a sudden they're in this inanimate object and they're so is it, it's it, it'd be worse than like what Stephen Hawking had, right? So with <laughs> yeah. like how dependent he was yeah. on so many people and technologies and to get around and communicate with people. It would be it, it's I could see that very easily driving someone insane, um, and that in itself could be uh, could be a lot of fun dealing with uh, uh, with an item that's intelligent. Another thing I want to throw out that we have kind of avoided thus far is the joy of introducing a cursed intelligent item and the difficulties that that will immediately create for your party. I mean, we kind of hinted at the idea that the sword that doesn't want to cut. What about the sword that wants to cut everybody? And it would definitely be, again, something you would want to engage with your players and make sure whoever you did this to, I mean, that's that's kind of the way to say it, 
is okay with possibly giving up some of their agency to the idea of a cursed magical item. And as always, know your players. But it can cause some serious, serious damage in the party because they're at this constant battle with this item. That's that's 100% to me when I think of a sentient item. When you say sentient weapon... To me, I feel like there's two branches that that item is going to go on. Because if you could just place your, like, realizing that these are what we're really talking about is, like, NPCs that are items. That their whole entire life, unless they are an item that can move about, is really just up to the wielder. Like, imagine your entire existence being somebody is shoving your sharp face into the body of a person pulling it out, you're soaked in blood, and that's your entire existence, just over and over again, just like into somebody's body, pulled out, you see them crumpled on the ground. I imagine there's two routes that intelligent being is going to go with that. They're going to go with, this is terrible, I hate this, I do want to take that pacifist route, I don't want to do this ever again. And then you have a weapon that wants to be a pacifist and maybe doesn't allow you because of its personality to access some really awesome magical abilities that could kick butt in battle. Like imagine having the one of the most powerful swords in the world, but it has the intelligence is like, I'm not letting you tap into this power. That's got, that is an interesting problem to deal with. But then on the other hand, like Neil, you were saying, you could have the other route where this weapon goes and it's just like, I want to drink blood. (laughs) Like having a thirst for it. And it's like, if they're not killing, they're not happy. And then what if on top of that, there's negative consequences? So not only is like the magic denied to to the wielder, but now there starts to be some actual damage that gets caused to the person like so if that blood lust of the of the weapon isn't uh isn't satisfied it actually starts to take the life force or the blood out of of the wielder that type of thing and then there's all kinds of things that you can play around with it of making it a cursed weapon and it gets bonded to uh, to the player and then that's a whole nother quest line it was like is if they want to get rid of the weapon but i think maybe a more interesting choice would be if the player decides you know what it's worth living with this curse it's living with it's worth killing a random person every couple of days to satisfy this it's like i'm willing to live with that (laughs) nice so one thing with intelligent weapons though or intelligent items in general is that to your point it is an npc i feel like you technically don't even need to give it any other magical properties besides that and it could still be a really powerful item especially if the intelligence that is in this item is supremely smart just having that as a resource within the party to be able to bounce questions off of or if it can yell out or give warnings if it notices things like that or if it's really observant and notices details on on monsters or npcs and that in itself could be a huge boon to to the player and to the group doesn't need to do anything beyond that and then if there's ever kind of conflict then the item just stops talking to you it's like it's not going to talk to you until you until you do what it wants you to do so there's yeah there's a lot of ways that you could play that out and it, and it doesn't have to be that complicated it could just be you you're getting the silent treatments until <laughs> until you figure out what yeah. it is that you need to do with everything that we've talked about, I feel that obviously most DMs are not going to be handing out intelligent items left and right. Uh, I think most DMs uh, and most 
worlds, whether homebrew or actual settings like Forgotten Realms, intelligent items aren't something that it's like you just walk into a shop and it's like, oh, the intelligent items are aisle six, uh, <laughs> head down there. Like they are extremely rare um, in most cases. And so I, what I think I would encourage most DMs to do is if you want to hand out an intelligent item to the group, you know what, if you do it willy-nilly and it just, like, you just throw it, you're like, yeah, right now, in the moment, I'm going to give them an intelligent item. That'd be cool. Like, sure, go for it. But I think the more thought you can put behind the things that we've talked about, like, what is the the age and how does that affect the intelligence of this this item, this NPC? What are its desires and its personality traits? I think the more you can think into that and really just settle in that this is not just an item, but this is a, a new character for you to play with your party. I think the more that this item is going to, is going to literally come to life for your players and have a lot of cool role-playing and quest opportunities for those who, for them who are going to be using it or difficulties like a crystal ball with a, with a wizard soul trapped inside that has many answers to life, but is, actually just a jerk and doesn't like to answer questions one thing i had done in our last campaign at, at my adult table was that uh i had one of the players play the intelligent weapon hmm. so the so the sword belonged to one of the players and then across the table they uh, had another player that was was role-playing the intelligence that was inside <laughs> that weapon so you so you have one person so you have two people that are arguing back and forth on what it is that they they need to do with this, and I thought it was I thought it was really interesting, um, especially since it it did not take very long for the player that had the sword to stop using it because he didn't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> it just sat in his bag of holding, never to see the light of day again. Yep, don't got to worry about <laughs> air for a magic item. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. So let's let's transition. Uh, we've talked a lot about the origins of magic items. We talked about them having like a personality, a will, desires of their own, and how that can be wonderful for the party. How that can give awesome quests that can create new adventures, and how that can be difficult. Uh, but let's talk, and we've done this a little bit as we talked. But let's give out some cool ideas for like actual intelligent items. Uh, that we can we can brainstorm, be inspired by, and that any DMs out there listening can hopefully like latch on to some of these ideas and go, I want to use that in my campaign. The cloak from Doctor Strange. Let's be honest. That's like because that was one of the things from the <laughs> early conversation that Mitch and I were having. You know, the idea that it doesn't have to be just a weapon, and the idea that that cloak is extremely intelligent and very independent in what it can and can't do. So that I know that's a really good example of adding something into your game because man, that thing just does whatever it wants, whenever it feels like it. <laughs> well, I love the idea of a, of, of, of attunement when it comes to magical items, because it's almost like it gets, it gets locked onto a particular person. And so if, if, if an intelligent item gets locked onto you, it's, it's almost like your magical energies are are connected to each other and they're and they're mixing and so that you have this this odd bond with this item 
And it does for for me. I, I I think that's really interesting in in that with the bond went both ways. So with the bond, you're able to wield the sword. But what if the sword could wield you? Hmm. And it almost turns into like this contest of wills of where if you want to try and use it for certain things, it's like and you get into an argument. One will could win out over the other. And with blood drinker, the sword that right. could be a problem. <laughs> right, right. And so then, does the player become particularly vulnerable when they're in a state of not having a lot of will, like when they're asleep, for example? Could the intelligent item actually take over? that person's life for a, for a period of time to accomplish what it needs to do without the without the person knowing it. I think of the the creation of a magical item if it is a magical intelligent item that if it's somebody putting their their sentience, their soul, whatever it is into an item and one of the ideas that I was thinking of is imagine whether it's a it could be a long line of really any type of class, whether it's warlock or wizard or druids or whatnot, that their previous master at the point of they're going to be leaving leaving this this mortal realm, that this is their ritual that they do. In order to help, continue to help their apprentice, they put their... Uh, their essence, their spirit, their soul into the staff that their wizard apprentice will be using. And then if you want to take that a step further, you can go, well, what if this this staff contains the souls of every single wizard master from that order? That is, that is going to be a... Re- First of all, I think that's a challenge for a dungeon master to role play. Because you could have an intelligent magic item with multiple personalities that don't agree with each other all the time, that may all want to help the the PC, but aren't always going to agree with the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, um, and now we're talking about a magical item with multiple personality, right? <laughs> like, yeah, and you have a random a role thing. each day to determine yes. what personality is it that you're going to have to deal with today. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe maybe even that it's that that vying for like control of like you, you have a a staff and it's called split and you have certain, certain personalities that want to be in control at all time, but they have to fight for power to talk to the user and you don't know who you're going to get. I do. I do also like the, the idea of, of it being a, an item in general, uh, because that doesn't mean that they're indestructible. I mean, even though they are magical items and they do have the tendency to be much more durable than, than their mundane counterparts, but they can be destroyed. They can be worn out. They could be chipped or cracked or damaged or ripped. Uh, I, I, I love the idea of having like an intelligent pair of shoes that <laughs> won't let you walk for like longer than half a mile because it's like they're, they're so worried about getting scuffed or getting worn out because they're just they're fearful of their own mortality. It's like they don't want it because once they get worn out, that's it. They're done. So they do everything they can to not be to, to not put themselves in harm's way. Kurt, my question to you is: Do do the shoes each have a personality? Or I think they it, would have to. They're, yeah. yeah, left and right. And they, if they, they each can actually own. audibly speak, they're constantly talking to each <laughs> <Yeah>. other. <laughs> <laughs> or what if what if one was all gung like your your yeah. right? Let's shoe keep going. All, yeah, let's <laughs> we do don't it. Need let's do it. Left was like, no, <laughs> no. See, then you can't. Then you're constantly like walking with a limp or dragging your left foot because that boot just doesn't want to come it along. It feels heavier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just tired. Just fell asleep. 
I also like that we entitled this section Thinking Outside of the Box, which immediately made me want to make an intelligent box. Yep. Um, I was hoping somebody would do that. Yeah. Or the idea of... Or Neil, tell a, me about any, this intelligent box. Any intelligent container is kind of how I also thought of it. Going back to that bag of holding. And you're like, I'm not going to hold anything else until you give me X, Y, and Z, because that's what I need. And also... Or reaching in, trying to get an item, and it's not coming out. Oh, I'd love it. And that's perfect, because the, the bag of holding has a face on it, so you just can make it start speaking to or the Or the opening of the bag is a mouth, or the opening of the yeah. box is a mouth, yes. and because that's kind of something we, we didn't really get into, that most of, most of these items will interact in a telepathic way. And, but that doesn't mean they have to. I mean, it could certainly be a box that opens and closes like a weird puppet thing. That Now I'm just picturing coming across a treasure chest that is an intelligent magic item, but all the PCs start bringing down their swords and yelling, mimic, mimic, kill it, kill it. And it's, no, I'm not a mimic. <laughs> please, yeah, please. That's what mimic would say. <laughs> <laughs> please just get me out of here. No. You just want to go be a mimic somewhere else. No. Oh. Well, speaking of communication, one thing that I've always struggled with is um, intelligent items that can only communicate through emotions. Because I think in Curse of Strahd, there was at least one intelligent item that was in in there that couldn't speak, but it could communicate emotionally to to the wielder. And I always felt that 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 kind of that limited things too much, um, or it got it to the point that the player didn't even care about the novelty of it being an intelligent item mm. anymore. Because, frankly, they just use it as like a, an early warning system if there was danger that was that was coming along. Um, um, although it's probably a failure on my part as as a DM, I'm not coming up with a rich enough history for for that item um to trigger more emotional things that went along with it but it would would be difficult because like if some random thing triggers a whole lot of anger out of this this sword or this item it could be any one of a number of things that the player would have no idea and and they would just gloss over and move on to on to the next thing so i'm curious um for for you guys, is like have have you dealt with just the emotional communicating item, and uh, how have you dealt with that? Is like how how did you make that interesting? I think it is probably a lot more difficult. I think if I was gonna go that route, that they couldn't either telepathically or audibly speak using their intelligence, that I would go with kind of what Neil was saying, like with the Doctor Strange robe that it can at the very least move mm. on its own. Or I think of the magic carpet from Aladdin. Like, it doesn't speak, but... And I guess that's I guess that's part of it is, how does it speak to you through emotion? Is it, yeah, that it sends you the feeling and you all of a sudden start feeling sad? If you have a ring that's just constantly making you sad, yeah, you're not going to want to have that ring anymore. It's um, a mood ring. But if it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literal. Oh, man, I walked right into that one. (laughs) But yeah, if you have a item that shows you its emotion, uh, but cannot speak, uh, because you can certainly with the with Dr. Strange's robe, you can tell when it's annoyed. You can tell with the magic carpet from Aladdin when it's sad, just by the way that it kind of moves itself i think another way i would approach it because going back to the idea of attunement with a a magical item maybe giving the player like advantage on insight checks so that when that emotion washes over them there's there's a very good chance that they'll understand it but 
as with normal human interaction, there is also a very good chance that they will have no idea what is happening. Uh, and I think that's not that's a that's a, a good way to also approach it, because if it, they I mean, unless you get to a point where you intuitively know what the magic item feels and that may be a progression you want. But I think starting out not really knowing and having that back and forth is um, a more compelling way to go about it. And trying to and engaging with that mechanical aspect may draw the player in more than just you know, like you said, oh, okay, swords angry, who cares? <laughs> so I guess we'll we'll wrap up. I've got one last idea for a cool uh, cool item that you can use in your world. But to me, I I started to thinking about intelligent magic items. I started to think on like a much grander scale and. Most of the discussion we've had has been based off of items that cannot move themselves. But I start to wonder, what if the intelligent magic item is a cart that is able to move itself without horses or a ship or an airship? Especially if we're talking kind of like we were just speaking about, like that it can't audibly speak, that it, but it still has this intelligence. I feel like you, you really need to know you have to keep this airship happy, right? Or it's just going to start flying you in a completely different direction. So it it could be a amazingly magical power airship that is super valued, but you need to treat it right. <laughs> you need to you need to treat mm-hmm. it well, you need to feed it plenty of oil. You need to make sure that the the poop deck is just clean and that they're scrubbing it every single day because if you don't, it's going to be very finicky and it won't get you to where you're going. And that just feeds right into the superstitions that like sailors and pilots have about their ships, mm. right? It's like you you've gotta treat her right. Otherwise she's not she's not going to yes. save you. Oh gosh. And now I'm just thinking of uh pirates or sailors who think their ship is intelligent <laughs> magic item, but it's not. <laughs> And you've got the captain like turning the wheel, like, oh, she's going the wrong way. It's like, Captain, we know. Oh my gosh. Just messing with this guy. I love that. <laughs> okay. Do we have homework for people to go check out as good examples of intelligent magic items? I'll start. Go watch Troll Hunters on Netflix um, because the Amulet of Daylight gives access to all previous Troll Hunters kind of going back to what you had mentioned, Mitch. And the interesting thing is that there's a deeper connection to the previous troll hunter, but also the availability to go like deeper in, in a meta, also like a meditative state and contact all of them. So that's an interesting way to approach and maybe not having so many NPCs all the time, just that connection back one step and then if need be back to the rest of them. Curse of Shroud. I know there's a bunch of intelligent weapons that they throw to, uh, that they threw into into that adventure, um, and those are specific items that are typically like geared towards like lawful good characters. Um, and so I'm I'm interested to um, find out, you know, in other adventures, um, what other intelligent items or weapons do they do they have in those, and 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 are they geared specifically towards good versus evil or there's some that are a little bit more ambiguous to it is like do they flesh out the history at all any more than that because in curse of strata it was pretty bare bones which i think is kind of the case um in in a lot of the books when it comes to intelligent weapons leaving it up to the players or to the dungeon master to really put a lot of that history on but i'm curious if there's other adventures that adventures that are out there that of where that 
there's a lot more information. There's a lot more backstory on, on those particular items. I'm hesitant to say mine because I feel like 99% of the listeners are going to go, okay, that's that's just so on the nose. But, I mean, we haven't mentioned uh, the ring from Lord of the Rings. And I think that is a perfect example, like the perfect example of an intelligent magical item that vies for that will, uh, right? And and want and has a personality and desire of its own, wants you to go a different way. Uh, and it's it's motives are not aligned with your own. And it and it doesn't speak audibly. So if there are listeners out there who haven't been exposed to that, great example. Check that out. And then the the other quick one that I think of is in the Harry Potter books, you have the Monster Book of Monsters. And totally throws in kind of like you, Kurt, you brought up that like infant like stage of like a magic item. I don't think the Monster Book of Monsters ever gets to the point where it's actually audibly speaking a language. I think it's always just kind of trying to bite you and just like making noises. Uh, But that I mean, that brings about another thing to, to think about is sentient doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be super smart. What if an intelligent magical item has the the intelligence of a beast? It's going to act very different <laughs> than some uh, intelligent magical item that's been given the soul of a super smart wizard. I, I think a, a really compelling argument could be made that Captain America's shield is a intelligent mm. item with the way that it's able to do things that it shouldn't be able to or, or obey the laws of physics and just doesn't have a very high intelligence to it. It doesn't and is not able to communicate very well with its wielder. But the, because of the things that he's able to do with it, it's like, I think, yeah, that could be an intelligent weapon. <laughs> I like it. Kurt, we have an important question for you. Where can people go on the internet to find all the cool stuff you're doing? They can find us at all kinds of places on the internet. Uh, people can go to DungeonsDragonsDaughters.com for our website. You've got uh, links to that from the uh, Black Party Podcast website as well, but we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, our handle typically is at Daughter Dungeon. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, Kurt, thanks so much for coming back on the show And thanks so much for picking this awesome topic because uh, I know that all three of us had a fantastic time brainstorming and coming up with ideas for intelligent magic items. This is a fun one. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode, this discussion. I I know I did on intelligent magic items. Just such, such a cool thing to have to play out at your table, having an intelligent magical item join your party as a person. They're people. Come on, guys. Thanks again, Kurt, for joining us. Neil, if our listeners would like to get in touch with us and let us know about an intelligent magical item that they either had as a character or as a DM gave to their PCs, tell us all about that magical item, that intelligent magical item. Where can they reach us at? As always, you can head on over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode or any of the others and see fit, you can always leave us an iTunes review, which we will read on air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want updates about the show. 
we have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... Oliver Meg! Thank you so much. Yes, Oliver is a silver dragon tearing it up and voting on the content that we make. Yes, so thank you so much, Oliver. Enjoy this week. Enjoy those two new story times. We hope that you really enjoy those. And just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for supporting this show and all the other shows on this network. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like We're So Bad at Adventuring, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Geek Wars, and more. Well, thanks again for joining us here on the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch reminding you to always keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. At the end of each session, give your players negative critique on what they should have done better. Listeners, welcome back for another fun episode of the Dungeon Don't do Masters that. Book. I, I can't. I know. So, like I said, it, Celeste and I... It has this, like, cadence to it that, like... It puts the lotion on the skin, yeah. or it gets the hose again. Here on NPR. Here on DMB. I don't know how to get motivated after that. I almost put myself to sleep. This is going to be a bonus episode. I was just talking about it is well, i lost my train of thought i am it not an intelligent is, item uh, <laughs> dungeons and dungeons and dragons and tatas <laughs>